1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arse Blog 20 podcast series in which we celebrate 20 years of Arse Blog by talking to a guest about a calendar year of the site's existence between 2002 and 2022. The year in question is 2017, and with me to talk about it from the Football Ramble, it's Jim Campbell. Hi there. Hello and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. What a, yeah, what a milestone. It's, uh i don 't know what to say about it it 's just a bizarre thing to be doing this uh, twenty years down the line you know yeah well you 're lucky to have a club that provides enough bizarre material, right This is true there 's never a dull moment when it comes to to arsenal. Um, I know we were talking about this a bit offline, and by the time this goes out, some of the stuff we were talking about is not going to is not going to be relevant, but i 'm absolutely sure that it will be replaced by more madness yeah, quite absolutely. So we're talking 2017, a uh, pretty eventful year. Where do you want to kick off? So the the
0: first entry to this, funnily enough, actually happened on New Year's Day. Uh, it's a moment all of us will remember very, very fondly. It's when Olivier Giroud scored that scorpion kick that is probably the cherry on top of what is an unbelievable highlight reel of goals that the man has scored throughout his career. And the context of it is is funny to sort of look back on it now, especially given how everything played. How everything played out because Henrik Mkhitaryan had scored uh, scored a similar goal for Man United on Boxing Day, yeah, and uh, it then became a little um, a little conversation about which goal was better in terms of the technique and whatnot. But if you look back at them now, now obviously I'm very biased here, but that actually rounded off a really really good team goal, whereas with the United one it was just a you know bog standard run of the mill common or yeah. garden cross from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, so that's it's fine, it's good, but Giroud was better, and it was just. It was one of those moments that sort of transcends rivalries, doesn't it? Where, like, football t- sits up and goes, you know what? That was something really, really special there.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it does depend. Like, you know, I'm loath to give, for example, any Tottenham player any credit for anything mm. that they might do, regardless of the, the quality of it and I still maintain to this day that the, um, the Lamella goal was just one of the most overrated things I've ever seen <laughs> but I agree with you about the Giroud goal uh, when it comes to uh, comparisons with, with Henrik Mkhitaryan because it did start was it, was it Jack Wilshire or Lucas Perez I think somebody like that made a tackle deep to win the ball and we, we moved yeah. it up the pitch really well and yeah I mean what a finish
0: was actually a pretty poor cross from Alexis Sanchez as well. Well, I um, mean, yeah,
1: the, it's, behind him. It's,
0: yeah, ridiculously behind him. But that didn't matter for old Ollie. He was so good at that stuff and obviously remains really good at that stuff. His, his mobility is, is something that I think is really, really kind of underrated. Um, and we actually interviewed him uh, for the book club podcast that we do, um, which was quite the thing because, I mean, we all have that thing on Zoom where you can't sort of... St- stop looking at the little picture of yourself in the side and feeling mm. self-conscious about it when you've got Olivier Giroud on the line that is so much worse <laughs> just like that is yeah. kind of so, it's so much harder to accept your own face in that context but,
1: yeah. <laughs> but there we are I mean he did score some brilliant goals for us and you know what's what's kind of funny is There was this perception at the time when we had him, when he was a regular 20-goal-a-season goal goal scorer. That's what he gave you pretty much every season. 20 goals across all competitions, I know, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But there or thereabouts, there was a consistency to what he delivered. And everyone was like, we need more. We need something different. We need something better. We need, you know... And I do wonder if in hindsight, one of the signings that happened in 2017 was Alexandre Lacazette, which then, um, you know, precipitated the departure of of Giroud when we brought Aubameyang in in the January. And I just wonder, you know, Arsene Wenger, I'm sure, has um, some regrets when he thinks about some of the decisions that he made. I just wonder if that is one where he might think, you know what, maybe... Obama Yang that summer, as well as Giroud, was probably yeah. the better way to do that that bit of transfer <laughs> yeah. business. Wasn't it the case that Giroud had to leave? Yeah. for us to be
0: able to get Bamiyang f- through some sort of complicated uh, machinations. It's a shame, isn't it, that we mm. weren't in a position where we could have just uh, had them both because he's uh, as much as it must frustrate him, in fact, I know it frustrates him, you know, he gives you great depth. I mean, he obviously mm. wants to start every game, but he's, he's a phenomenal from the bench and, he, and he's so good at bringing other players in. And actually, looking back at 2017, his name comes up a lot in the, uh, in the good moments, as oddly does Theo Walcott. I mean, Theo Walcott's a player, Again, who I think history might be a little bit kinder to him than than his present was at the mm. uh, at the club because he scored over a hundred goals for Arsenal I know he was there for a long time and he, and he joined very young. But those two players in what was a very very difficult season really chipped in. And you, you think of Özil and Sanchez in these years for, yeah. for obvious reasons because they were both brilliant and and both very eye catching. But they weren't the only players kind of weighing in. And and I think you know Giroud's legacy will be will be probably you know really tied up with this particular goal and it was it was a fitting fitting kind of moment for for such a good player
1: i think that goal did win the the puskas award that year didn't it as the 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 best goal of the the season certainly i would hope so yeah and like i i feel like it's a shame he went to chelsea and i feel like it's a shame that he you know scored with such frequency for chelsea particularly in um the Europa League final, his contribution in that game and his enjoyment of that, which I understand on a personal level, I I just feel like it's a shame. You know, a guy like him where, you know, he did his best, he was limited in certain areas, but... You know, you'd like to see him go on and do well, but do well for AC Milan and, or Absolutely. do well for Valencia or Sevilla or somebody, don't go to a club like then. Chelsea. Yeah, It's interesting, isn't it? Because it hurts a lot less than an Ashley Cole or even a Cesc
0: Fabregas who had that one degree of separation mm. for some reason. Because I think it was just like, you kind of felt, oh, fair enough, you know, he's got a contract at a, at a club that will compete as he's kind of advancing. But it's mm. still, it's still stung, that goal in particular yes so go on what have we got next from 2017 so the second one and i i hate to make you relive this andrew but i feel that it is such a significant point in arsenals in arsenal's 2017 but also Mm. really as to where we are now and it's those two games against bayern munich where we lost 10-2 on aggregate and i think that was really the zenith of of the modern problems. And, and also, I mean, it's the last Champions League game we played. Yeah. Um, which is kind of horrible to think about, but um, but it is. And it was such a, it was such a chastening defeat both times. And it, I, I think it, 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 it it's a proper microcosm of, of a lot of the problems that the club had because obviously we touched on players like Alexis Sanchez and, and Meza Ozil when they really heralded a new dawn when, when those players came in we thought hey we might start mm. competing for trophies again and then we started we, we won some cups and it actually started happening but at the same time, uh, this this season, the 2016 2017 season, obviously half of which was in 2017, they were the debut seasons for for Granit Xhaka uh, and also for Squadron Mustafi, who we we paid 35 million pounds for, mm. which is amazing. And uh, there's a point in the first game where Lewandowski essentially uses Mustafi just to, as like a ladder uh, to, to to get a, to get a header in, and it, it was it's washing it back now, you you really see. How disjointed that team was, and how a lot, some of those players, as has been the case far too much in recent years, were essentially sticking plasters on on what were mm. quite badly festering wounds. Yeah, um, and in that in that period as well, around the time of losing those two games, we were beaten three one convincingly by Liverpool. Lost, uh, sorry, lost not three one. We lost lost to Liverpool fairly convincingly from their end. We were beaten three uh, one by West Bromwich Albion. And you look back at it and you think, I don't know how many current managers would survive that. And it really. Now we've got some distance from it. Mm. It is amazing what Wenger le- weathered, really, and and I don't think we'll ever see a situation where where a manager is so ingrained in a club that they almost become unsackable, yeah. despite things like that. And not that I'm saying that he should necessarily have been unceremoniously dumped. I think the way it was eventually done mm. was you know a bit late, but was was as respectful as it could have been. But it is um, it is. It still hurts looking back at these games because it could have been more as well. David Ospina was our best player in the first leg. We lost the game 5 1. Because Shelny went off injured in that game and he was sent off in the second game. And that's another one. Again, with a a little. Sorry. It was a harsh sending off, too, I think. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. Um, But again, it's one of those things where with a little bit of distance from it. Now, I love Lauren Koscielny as a player. He, he was mm. an excellent player and a real warrior worry for us. He, he put his body on the line when it was really breaking down at times as well. But he, he got five red cards for Arsenal, conceded eight penalties. So even as one of our more kind of reliable players, mm. he did have that in him where th- there was there was a, a a dropped testicle or a Rick not too far away. And when those are your guys who are like, you know, among mm. the first names on the team sheet it is eventually invites catastrophe and everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong in these games. Like I Robin with his fucking Hadouken of cutting him from the, <laughs> cutting in from the left and scoring. What's like, he going to do
1: here? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's that again, but yeah. it's oh, right. It's gone in again.
1: Unreal. I watched the video that you sent me of the highlights. There's a video, um, which I'll uh, maybe put in the show notes for this particular episode, of the two legs. And you mentioned the first um, Lewandowski goal where he uses Mustafi as a stepladder. Watch the the, the second goal. I think it's a Thiago goal. And Mm. there's a a beautiful flick by Lewandowski on the edge of the box. The ball comes across. He flicks it first time, sort of behind the defence. But watching this now, I'm I'm amazed that the red flags about Mustafi didn't start, you know, ringing with us earlier. For that goal, he's, as the play is coming towards our box, he's, I think, looking at the right back and he's telling the right back, just keep an eye on what's happening. Just watch what's happening here (sighs) while fucking Tiago ghosts inside him and he's got... He doesn't have a fucking clue where he is. Like, literally not a clue. And it's one of those classic ones where afterwards his mistake and he's like waving his arms around. It's like, what the, oh my God, how could you do this? I mean, that should have set the alarm bells ringing and it's just consolidated. Like my, my, my firmly held belief that pound for pound, when it comes to transfer fee and everything else, he is the worst central defender uh, I have ever seen in my life. I would completely, completely agree. Um, because also,
0: um, I, I think at the time he was the, you know, essentially the worst, the worst player, the worst defender in the league. He was costing us goals. That Crystal Palace game where he just seemed to, <laughs> he seemed to have a really nice time watching Zahar. Zaha, um, but the rest of us didn't because mm. he, he just, well, they 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 beat us quite handily, didn't they? And it was. It was absurd. That was the season in which he marked a referee as well. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. It was Craig Pawson. There's amazing f- photos of him, like really dedicatedly trying to block off Craig Pawson. who's just laughing. It's like how 35 yeah. million they just saw us come in. Um, unreal. The, the one thing I am grateful for looking back on this game is that Bayern, when they scored their goals, they were playing Seven Nation Army, the uh, the, the, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the White Stripe song that's become a football anthem in, in various guises. But they went through a period, I'm not sure whether it was before this or after it, they've done it a few times, so it could well have been both, where when they scored a goal at home, they would play the music, like the can-can music, which I think might be the smuggest thing that has ever happened in world (laughs) football. And it is so funny. I love it so much because it's just so dismissive of the opposition. Like, you you are here for the entertainment of the crowd. You are simply here for us to just embarrass you. And while I love seeing that happen to other teams because it is so so amusing, Mm. I couldn't
1: have handled that five times. Look, I mean, I think the interesting point, as you you made earlier on, is like what this... Defeat meant, or what it signified, or or what it indicated about where we were going and what was happening. Because that second leg, we scored first. Theo Walcott scored a goal, yeah. and I was looking at it going, "It's half time. It's five two on aggregate." Now, I mean, you never yeah. know. And then the kashelny red card happens, and then there's all kinds of mistakes, and the defending is terrible. I can't remember if it's Mustafi that comes on for kashelny or somebody comes on, but Mustafi's there, and it's just. You know, it is part of the decline, um, a fairly, like sometimes you get slapped with a a reality that you're not quite aware of at the time. But when you look back at it, losing 5-1 twice in a row to Bayern Munich, this is Arsenal in the Champions League. You know, for years and years and years of experience in this competition, even with a disjointed team, we should have been better than that, you know?
0: Yeah, and it is a real indication looking back that this cycle is done mm. and there needs to be a quite serious reset of, of everything about the club. And mm. again, like I don't want to, you, you don't know what's around the corner, do you? But one of the refreshing things about this season is it does feel like, okay, this is, this is the start of a new era and it's, there's, there are going to be teething problems. There are going to be bumps in the road. Of course there are, but uh, it feels like the days of, of those sticking plaster players are perhaps mm. over. Um, Actually, there's a a really um, interesting indication of that in the FA Cup final as well, which is what I want to kind of come on to for another point as well, um, which is that David Luiz and Willian are in that Chelsea team that we beat. And it's it's so weird watching that now because they were too... Like, Luiz less, but still quite dramatically so in some ways. Mm. They were, again, emblematic of these sticking plaster players that you are getting just because there's no one else or because it seems like a short-term solution to what is a long-term problem we seem to be moving away from that situation now, which is, which is great. And and that, that second FA Cup win was, was something really, really special. Now, um, it was, um, I watched it in really strange circumstances because we were doing a Football Ramble live show at the Hackney Empire that night. Mm. And obviously you book these shows a long, long time before before you end up doing them. So I had no idea who would be in the FA Cup final and it happened to be two London teams. And for a while it looked like it was going to go to extra time. And it was like, yeah. are, are people actually going to come to the show if this goes to extra time? We're going to have to like... There was no real option to push it back. So it was... It was really, really tense, um, and it was just Aaron Ramsey, absolute hero, saved us on the night as well as as uh, you know as as, um, as as winning the cup for Arsenal. And the crowd were unreal; they were so drunk, it was like uh, <laughs> it was like doing a sort of like the kind of like scary old working men's clubs that you know like old comedians tell horror stories about it was like like that for a show it was great (laughs) it was it was so much fun and it was a brilliant day as it always is when you win silverware um but yeah it was so memorable for that reason and also on a personal level as well arsenal um they were in the doldrums at this point of time. And this coincided with a really turbulent time in my own personal life. And the nature of our podcast means that, you know, if if a team are performing badly, they get the piss taken out of them. Mm. And also by proxy... That's me getting the piss taken out of me. Like because and you know, that's that's I'm not complaining about that. That is simply what our show is and and that's how it should be. But it was just like, Oh God, come on, Arsenal. Come <laughs> on. Like just give give me a break, guys. And yeah. then for them to win the FA Cup was was such a relief. It's such a Beautiful release, isn't it? Because you've won it for a year. You know, when you, when yeah, you win a yeah, game, yeah, you yeah. feel like, brilliant. I've won this, we've won this game all week, or we've won it to the next game. But actually having silverware, obviously you've won it forever, but you hold it for a year. Yeah. And that's, that's a great feeling.
1: It was, I mean, the FA Cup run that year, I think we beat, was that where we played Sutton United, and then Manchester City in the semi final? I mean, this yes. is... This was Pep Guardiola's Manchester City that we played in the semi-final. I think Nacho Monreal scored a goal, if I remember. Um, we would a fairly kind run. I think uh, Preston, Southampton, Sutton United, Lincoln, but then you've got yeah. to play, you've got to play Man City. Man City go ahead. Nacho Monreal scores. Alexis Sanchez scores. A really scrappy kind of goal, but you know they all count. And then that final, when it looked like we didn't have a central defender to our name because Lauren Koscielny got sent off in the in the last Premier League game of the season against Everton. So he suspended oh, it. Gabriel, I think, had an injury of some description. Mustafi, I mean, the, the only thing I'll say about Mustafi is that he timed injuries to miss cup finals perfectly. He did did it in 2017 and he did it in 2020 as well. If you remember, there was an injury a couple of games before the cup final. This one, I think he had some kind of concussion, I guess. You know, any kind of blow to his head gets that little brain rattling around. (laughs) And it meant that Per Mertesacker, who hadn't played all season long at the last second, is called up to... Anchor a three-man defense with Rob Holding and Nacho Monreal, like Wenger playing a back three, which he he rarely did. I know he experimented with it a bit during the 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 last few years of his reign when things weren't going right. He he switched formations to try and make things happen. But Mertesacker, having not played all season long, to be up against you know, a Chelsea side, which was pretty decent. Like you said, D- uh, Diego Costa in there. This was a very experienced um, Chelsea team. So I think that aspect of the final is is an amazing thing because of, yeah. you know, you come in at his age with his injury problems. I mean, it's Chelsea with Hazard and Kante and Fabregas on the bench. Willian came on as a substitute, you know. I mean, pfft, what a yeah, performance was- from Mertesacker. And from Rob Holding as well. Yeah. Do you remember that the, the, yeah. back when he had his
0: own hair? The um, the the kind of the the talk after the game was that Perma they did a sort of good cop bad cop thing, on where Perma yeah. Dzakhar would be like really weirdly friendly and just get on with it. And Rob Holding, this sort of young upstart, just sledging everyone left, right, and centre, and apparently it really rattled Diego Costa, yeah. who as like a you know as someone who prides himself on his shithousery, it must have been a, an extra sort of blow for him. Which I'm all in favour of mm. as often as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember Martin Keown saying, I think he might have been critical of Murtisacker in the in the build-up to the game, whatever it is, or maybe a bit dismissive of him. And afterwards, yeah. there was some footage where he goes, "This is the perm murtisacker final," and uh, you know, was like, "Yeah, you know, you don't write me off." An amazing <laughs> sort of swan song to uh, to a career for a guy, you know, to come in and play a game at that level. You know, just one of those amazing performances and an amazing day, you know, to win the cup, but to win the cup against Chelsea. Um, Aaron Ramsey, once again, the hero in an FA Cup final. You know, we forget what a scabby goal Chelsea scored as well. Um, Not sure David Ospina covered himself in a great deal of glory for that one. But within a couple of minutes, Aaron Ramsey is up the other end and heading in with a cross from... Uh, who was it from? Olivier Giroud, who come Olivier on as a Giroux. substitute from for Danny Welbeck. So you know, again, when you're talking about some of the good things that happened in 2017, having a bit of a bit of Giroud shine to them, this is another one of them.
0: Yeah, very much so. He he just delivered, didn't he? He, yeah. he? he had end product to him. So this was a very very weird year, and I want to try and kind of uh, for the last point. Do something of a positive, really. Um, and I might have to do some gymnastics to do that, but, um, mm. but we'll see how we get on. It's actually the opening day of the season, uh, 2017-18 season, season against Leicester, um, which was an absolutely mad game, which kind of was, was really, really topsy-turvy. Uh, we ended up winning it 4-3 with a late goal from, you guessed it, Olivier Giroud. <laughs> um, and it, it was one of those games where... Definitely one of the games of the season, which is mad for for, for a kind of curtain raiser, um, where it encapsulated everything frustrating about Arsenal and everything mesmerising mm. about them because they 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 are they can be exceptional in two very very different ways, and both of those ways were on, were on display in, mm. in this game. Very very topsy turvy. The the nervousness of the crowd is obviously always a is always a factor when when Arsenal look like they're gonna you know. D- it just collapse, and mm. then they did collapse, and then they fought back, and it and it worked, and it was a last minute winner, and w- one of the best things in football, last minute winner, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's just a really, again, it's a proper little time capsule moment. You look, you look back at at that team with its kind of all its flaws, but all its magic in it as well, and it's just a reminder of of some of the roller coaster that that time was
1: mm. really. Yeah, I mean Lacazette was signed that summer uh, for fifty million there, thereabouts, and scored what was it, a minute and a half into the game? One of Something the, like that. the Second quickest debut goals, yeah, awesome
0: shot, I think in a, an official game.
1: Yeah, I remember the game well. It was uh, quite an amazing game. I mean, the rest of the season didn't obviously um, pan out that well, but I mean, there are a few things I, I think we could talk about quickly about that year. Um, that are worth talking about that aren't necessarily so positive, but again, come back to this idea that Arsenal were a club that were, if not coasting, sort of lacked some direction. So that was the first year under Wenger that we didn't finish in the top four. And we, we dropped out of the Champions League and we haven't been back since. And there was the whole, um, Alexis Sanchez saga that summer Mm. where we spent all summer long, talking about how we're going to hold on to him. We're not going to let him go. We, uh, we're we going to keep him for the last year of his contract. We're not going to sell him. He clearly wanted to go, and we were playing hardball and saying, well, no, you can't go. We need you. Play one more season, whatever it was, whatever the rationale was. And then, like, right at the last minute, do you remember the Man City bid came in and – yeah. It looked like it was going to go through to Man City. And we bid crazy money for Thomas Lamar, who was at Monaco, yeah. at the last minute. And this sort of flip-flop on where this like strong position, whether you agreed with it or not, the fact that we had a really strong position around this whole uh, scenario with Alexis Sanchez, like you kind of have to respect that. You might disagree, yeah. you might not, but at least your position is... This is what we're doing. But then, like, right at the last minute, it flipped. And we really annoyed a key player who was, like, utterly demotivated at that point to the point where in January, you know, people thought an Alexis Sanchez, Henrik Mkhitaryan swap was a good idea. Yeah. And also, what
0: a rare thing, a swap deal in football that actually happened. Yeah.
1: You, you see at the that level, the time, yeah. They yeah, never yeah.
0: But, yeah, it was a mess, wasn't it? And I think it's obviously... We're only going on what we hear in the press and I'm mm. sure like not everything that um, that goes on is reported to the press in, in quite extreme measures. But it looks like the transfer strategy was completely reactive. Just very, very little thought behind it. It's like, oh, a player's leaving, so a player needs to come in. Yeah, Are they going to fit? Like Thomas Lamar, you know, I mean, it's not like he's really pulled up trees. Um, for, for Atletico, I mean, it's, it's not like he's a complete failure, but yeah. certainly, I don't. You couldn't compare him to to Alexis Sanchez as he was at, in that iteration of of his form. Um, and again, it's just a refreshing thing now where you could see a transfer strategy in place. It was t- for too long, it felt like you know Arsenal would start building something, mm. and then you would lose those players, and you've got to start again, and then you've got this Frankenstein's monster of of you know attempt at building some sort of dreamlike team that just never sort of came to fruition. And that's what I hope we can actually do now is keep these players together um, Mm -hmm. for for as long as possible to actually build something that's a cohesive unit because it was was just so frustrating for a long time. It it felt compromised in so many ways. You felt like you'd watch an Arsenal starting eleven, and there'd be a Mustafi in there or there'd be sort of some ex-Chelsea player just picking up a wave. And you'd think, oh, like only like nine of these players really count to me do you know what I mean that that sounds really weird but it it did feel it just
1: didn't feel whole yeah I know what you mean a couple of funny ones well funny I guess at the start of the year back in January Granit Xhaka was sent off by uh, John Moss if you remember for a foul (laughs) that um, was clearly a foul but not a red card. I've never seen a red card given for that before or since. And yeah, there were some comments. The, it really
0: set the kind of <laughs> yeah. tone for Xhaka, That well, That, was, that was another one, yeah.
1: That was the start of the, if that was Granit Xhaka uh, cycle. Yeah. Um, but there were some comments from Arsene Wenger where he said, uh, he's not naturally a great tackler in his decision-making, <sighs> <laughs> but it's the more the way he tackles is not really convincing. He doesn't master well the technique of tackling. I would encourage him not to tackle, to stay on his feet. That's the best way to deal with it. Tackling is a technique you learn at a young age. You can improve it, but when you're face-to-face with somebody, it's better you stay up. I mean, those are words of wisdom. That, Like, if Granit had yeah. paid even the slightest bit of attention to what Arsen Wenger said then, he would probably be in a different place now in his career. Yeah,
0: it seems to be what he's taken from that is, it's fine <laughs> to be bad at this. Yeah. So,
1: like, <laughs> like, it's because yeah. that, that applies today isn't it yeah I mean it's exactly you could apply that same conversation to him like three four times a season my advice yeah. is don't tackle just
0: yeah in that position as well just don't worry about it just you know yeah do something else
1: the final thing I want to talk about is a, a, a four-game ban for Arsene Wenger from the touchline yes. after a bust-up after our win over Burnley. It was one of those crazy games. I think there was like a 98th-minute penalty or something like that that Alexis Sanchez scored. Yeah, But there was a, a, a set two on the sideline between Arsene Wenger and fourth official Anthony Taylor. And I, th- I just think um, reading this bit out is quite funny because uh, Anthony Taylor at a later date explained what happened. And he said, following the award of a penalty kick against his team in approximately the 92nd minute, Mr. Wenger left his technical area to confront me in disagreement at the decision. Before he said anything, I said, think carefully before you say anything. He responded by saying, you are dishonest to your federation. I considered this to be questioning both mine and the referee, John Moss's, integrity and impartiality. I stated to Mr. Wenger that such a comment was not acceptable, and he told me to fuck off on two separate occasions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As well, like, think carefully about what you say. You think he's a fucking sheriff. The opinion these guys have of themselves
1: sometimes is staggering, isn't it? When you see it in writing like that. It's good that five years down the line the refereeing standards have improved and yeah. we don't have to think about these things anymore. No, thank goodness. No.
0: Actually, one one thing about the the opening game of the 2017 season is there is a very, very blatant handball we, that we should have had a penalty for mm. that would be given all day now because of VAR. And as much as it has its detractors, and rightly so because it's implemented so badly so often, it is a little reminder of how frustrating it was before we had it as well. And that there's mm. obviously a little bit of give and take in that situation as well.
1: All right, well, look, um, thank you for uh, for reliving some of the moments of 2017 with me, Jim. Really appreciate it. Good luck with yeah, uh, so, all you do on the Football Ramble, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Jim Campbell. You can find him on Twitter at JimCampbellTF4, at JimCampbellTF4, and on the many and varied Football Ramble podcasts. Okay, there's another one in the can. We're getting towards the end of this series, this arsblog 20 series. Still quite a bit more to get through, though, so join us for the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.